Redemption City. It's Josh, and I'm coming to you with a teaching for our missional... Hey, Redemption City. It's Josh, and I hope you're having a great day. It's got some sunshine at the time of this recording, which is rare. (laughs) It's been rare this spring. But this is a uh, teaching for the missional living class that we're doing here in April of... 2022. Uh, The idea behind our classes that we've offered on Wednesday nights through this school year was to kind of move from uh, Pastor Mike teaching about biblical theology and God's story of redemption and then moving into how we are transformed by that story and becoming like Jesus and our become like Jesus class. And then as we are formed into the presence of Jesus, as we're filled with the spirit that he sent to be our helper and to give us power from on high, we are then sent out into the world to live on mission. Join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost and heralding the kingdom, the good news that life is with us. So that's the idea behind the missional living class. Excited to dive in with you guys. Um, And last night, Pastor Ken uh, opened with some the theology of mission, the theology of God's mission. It was super rich, really good discussion. Uh, but one thing he did I thought was interesting and I appreciated was that he kind of defended the term evangelism, which is super unpopular. You know, we're not supposed to proselytize all that stuff. Uh, how, how dare we know anything that someone else doesn't know or, you know, try to convince anyone to change their mind or whatever. Uh, but uh, Ken unpacked the, uh, the the value of the term. One, it's biblical, so we got to do something with it. Two, you know what it really means is heralding good news, sharing good news that the kingdom is here, that life with God under His rule is available to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like that's that's great news. And and then the reality is, and this is like a blind spot, I think, in uh, the the perception of evangelism out there is that humans, God has wired us naturally to be evangelists. Uh, we might not be sharing the gospel, uh, but we can't not share what we love. We can't not share what has changed our life, like, you know, i.e. vegans or keto people or CrossFitters or whatever, something that's changed your life that has made us better. We want other people to experience it, even if we, and we don't even care if we're obnoxious. Like, you know, CrossFitters, you know, they don't care at all that they're obnoxious. They're so pumped about life because of CrossFit uh, and, you know, or, or our grand, we want to share pictures of our kids or our grandkids or whatever we, we like. We eat at a good restaurant. We tell people about it. So evangelism is really just the overflow of what we love. So we want to cultivate our love for Jesus and share that with other people. Today I'm about to have uh, Reese Clanky, our dear brother, uh, share a teaching on the six styles of evangelism which is just a a really gracious, freeing concept that evangelism doesn't have to look one way, that it can kind of fit in line with how God has wired you. And I just want to commend Reese Clanky to you. Love that guy. Uh, I've only, I realize I've only known him like a year. It was just right about a year ago that we got coffee for the first time at Ferris. And one of the first things that he brought up was evangelism. Like I want to serve the church and leading us into sharing the gospel with lost people. And I just rejoiced and thank God that he has sent him to our church family. So I'm excited to have him serve us as a church family with his passion for, uh, for seeing lost people come to Jesus. And I'm going to hand it off to him here. Uh, the, idea around the six styles of evangelism is to take the assessment that is in the course packet. Uh, If you didn't grab one this past week or if you're not able to join us on Wednesday, you can grab a packet and uh, and take the assessment, uh, just a few questions, and you tally up your scores and kind of get your main style, and then we will discuss in class. So without further ado, here is Reese Klinke teaching on the six styles of evangelism. Hey everyone, Reese here. 
I'm going to be teaching on the different evangelistic styles on the Wednesday night missions class. I'm so excited to jump in with you guys. I think we have a extremely unique opportunity in our cultural day and age um, after COVID and so many people being isolated, desiring community, desiring um, what we as the church have, which is a great love for one another and a space to be honest and open. So um, I pray that these styles will be beneficial in reflecting on yourself, kind of like the Enneagram workshop, that it would just be a way for you to see how God has gifted you. Uh, the main thing to keep in mind here is you know, the importance of humility amongst believers, but also as we go out into the world, because you know God has gifted each of us differently in our personalities and our styles so that we could reach different persons with the gospel of Jesus. Um, and one thing that always helps me kind of before I want to approach somebody in a evangelistic way is <clears throat> thinking back on my own life before I was a believer, um, how I felt towards Jesus, um, how I felt about going to church, and also just the, the very nature within me. Um, it reminds me that I too was once like they were. And so I'm just going to read Ephesians 2 real quick for us, not the whole thing, just a few verses here. So Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I like to reflect on these passages before I approach someone else, reminding myself that I too once was walking away from God, running away from God, um, speaking and living contradictory to his word. And I needed um, to hear the gospel, the great news. So as we go through each of these styles, I'm just going to give a quick summary and we're going to talk about different traits that some of these styles have, um, kind of see the biblical example, maybe some contemporary examples, um, and then kind of the, the weaknesses and the strengths of each. And then with every single one, um, it kind of ends with, um, you know, teaming up with friends who have other styles that may be better matched to the personality of the person you hope to reach. So if you're one style and the person you're trying to reach is, is probably not going to be reached with that style, then you might want to team up with somebody that, that could reach them. Um, and I'll kind of explain that as we go on. So the first style is the direct style. Um, these are the people that are more confident, bold, direct. Um, they just get to the point and they don't like to beat around the bush. They want to get straight into the deep waters of spiritual conversation. 
uh, from a positive perspective uh, that can be assertive and bold. Uh, the, the tendency is to be rather confrontational um, in their approach, which can be positive or negative depending on the person's attitude and their motivation, right? Um, and so on the negative side, these people can be somewhat in your face. This this would be the preferred style of most disciples who consider themselves to be contending for the faith. The downside of, of such is that um, sometimes it devolves into being contentious for the faith, which only serves to drive people away from the truth. Uh, these would be the people that love going door to door or handing out gospel tracts. Again, not a wrong style. I've done these things before, actually. It's probably one of the styles that fits me, um, but it's not for everybody. And so just understanding that God uses these people, too, to reach somebody who needs the the just in-your-face, straight-up conversation and are confused whenever people beat around the bush or are maybe too intellectual about it. So God does and will use these people. They're equipped to, to reach those people who need that. Um, but they need healthy doses of wisdom and discretion and love um, in their confrontation. So the biblical example here is Peter in Acts 2. Um, he was direct. He was blunt. He, he told the Jews directly that they had murdered their Messiah. They, and that if they wanted to avoid the wrath of God, then they needed to repent. And obviously we saw the outcome of that of 3,000 people. The contemporary example here would be like a Ray Comfort. Um, sometimes the, the blind spot here for these people would be that they come on too strong. Um, so the cautions are avoid judging or laying guilt trips on others who have a different approach and maybe don't want to do door to door or hand out, hand out gospel tracts or go walking around. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to restrain your desire to come on strong in every, every situation and be sure to seek God's wisdom so that you can be sensitive and tactful, um, you know, like P Peter says, be prepared to give an answer, um, but do so with, with gentleness and, and respect. Suggestions for development would be ask friends for feedback on whether or not you have the right balance of boldness and gentleness. Uh, prepare for times of standing alone that others might feel uncomfortable when you confront people with God's word. And be okay with that. Be okay that God will use that and remind yourself of the constant need for humility. That would be my biggest caution here. And then be sure to listen to others before speaking to them. Um, so you're not speaking at them, you're having a conversation with them. And then, like I said, team up with other people that might be better matched to, to the personality of the person you hope to reach. So if you're more of a direct style, but you're wanting to reach someone who's maybe more intellectual, then you might want to bring a friend that's more intellectual and can speak with them on, on those terms. So the intellectual style is um, the biblical example here would be um, Paul at Athens in Acts 17, where he goes to the Greek philosophers. He's even, you know, recalling some of their own poets and stuff like that. And the contemporary example would be 
uh, Elisa Childers. Um, these people tend to be analytical, they like to debate, and they're more concerned with what people think than what they feel. Um, they have a tendency to be inquisitive, analytical, logical, um, and again, more focused on what people are thinking than how they're feeling. Negatively, uh, people in this category can be perceived as cold or aloof or insensitive, impersonal or uncaring. They can place more value on the intellect than on the emotions. Sometimes that focus can be a hindrance to reaching someone, but we also have to acknowledge that there are indeed those who appreciate a more analytical, logical approach to the study and presentation of the inspired scriptures with fewer displays of emotionalism. Again, God has created diversity amongst us um, so that there is someone for every kind of seeker. Not everyone is moved by an appeal to the emotions. Sometimes people find it offensive and they actually flee from that. Um, but they will, however, sit and engage in intellectual dialogue and theological intricacies of God's word. Again, we see Paul, he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles in the marketplace um, every day. And he knew how to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best philosophers. Um, so there is a place for reason, reflective, analytical, logical dialogue, and in evangelism. God has made us all differently. Each of these styles are necessary and needed, and we can use them to build one another up in the church and spur one another on in evangelism as we see how God uses our differences to reach this dark world. So the blind spot here would be that sometimes intellectual people can be so intent on winning a debate that they lose the person, right? So rather than trying to get too stuck on academic points or arguments or evidence, we need to make sure that we're keeping it centrally around the gospel message of Jesus and not getting too deep into the weeds, so to speak. And then remember that your attitude is important. So kind of what I said before, 1 Peter 3.15 says that we're to be gentle and respectful. So some people do have more emotions. We need to understand that emotions are true and real and valid, um, although they can't be in the driver's seat always. Um, they are something that people experience. Again, going back to how I remember I used to operate before I came to Christ and everything was based off of the flesh and how you felt and nothing was based off of truth. So give people that time and space to work through those emotions and avoid being argumentative. Some suggestions for development would be set aside time to study and prepare before you meet up with somebody um, and avoid doing it all in a, in a vacuum, right? So get out and talk to people, hear what people have to say, hear what concerns or questions people typically have around the Bible or around Jesus, hear their beliefs, different perspectives, and, and see how they respond when, when you interact with them. Um, and develop a relational side. Talk to them about everyday events and truly try to see what people are saying. Lee Strobel gave a, a good example of this where he said, you know, he used to ask people, if you could ask God anything, what would you ask him? And the person would give an answer and he said about 80% of the people usually had something to do with why does God allow suffering in the world? And then he would usually respond with, you know, this really well thought out crafted response to suffering and why God allows it. But 
you know, he found out that that didn't work for a lot of people because he was missing the person and he wasn't speaking to the heart. So he, he started doing something different where he'd ask that question and then he'd follow up with the question that of all the questions you could ask, why that one? So now he was getting at the heart of the person he was speaking to rather than just spoon feeding them the answer because then they would respond, oh, my, my dad died when I was three or, or whatever. Things that, that they personally experience in this world as suffering. So the next style is the testimonial style. These people tend to be good listeners. They're vulnerable about their personal life, ups and downs, and they're able to link their story to other people's stories and kind of bring them in. Uh, the biblical example would be the blind man in John 9, uh, where he gave testimonies to the divine healing power of Jesus and the leaders did not like this, um, but he definitely had their attention. But he ends up getting kicked out of the synagogue uh, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Messiah, then they should be put out of the synagogue. Uh, these people tend to be clear communicators, compelling storytellers. Uh, they have the ability to hold the interest of those um, who, they're, who they're trying to reach. But from a negative perspective, sometimes these people have been characterized as theologically shallow. Uh, kind of like they tell a good story, but there's not a lot of depth there. Um, one example they give from this is Max Lucado saying that, you know, he's a master storyteller, but some feel that it's a lot of fluff, not a lot of substance. But the reality is that many people are moved by this dynamic narrative, and this style is exactly what they need to bring them into relationship with Jesus. So this testimonial style, this narrative style, is one of the ways in which God wants to reach people, to bring them into his story. Um, the blind spot here would be that sometimes we share too much of our story and not enough of God's story. So be, be sure you can relate your experience to the life of your listener. This requires hearing enough about your friend's life to know how to relate your experience of coming to Jesus to applying it to them. Don't just stop with telling them your story. Let them consider how what you learned might apply to their life. And this is a big one. Avoid downplaying the value of the story just because it seems ordinary. Uh, sometimes the ordinary story is what relates best to ordinary people. Um, suggestions for development would be practicing your story so you can share it without hesitation. Keep Christ and the gospel message as the centerpiece of your story. Um, this is about how he has changed your life. And keep it fresh by adding new things as you continue to witness God's faithfulness throughout your walk with Jesus. Continue to add to that story or to, you know, use different parts of your story. It is an unfolding story. We're being sanctified day by day, year by year. The next style is the interpersonal style is, is very... These people are conversational, they're compassionate, they're hospitable, and uh, their focus is on people and their needs. This tends to be more like the friendship evangelism. There's not obviously going to be a lot of negatives associated with being a good friend and seeking to be involved in, in someone else's lives. This is a very effective way to, to share your faith with others and to do, for, to do so from a place of a growing, deepening relationship and trust. Obviously, one of the pitfalls there can be that people focus too much on 
the friendship and not enough on ever sharing the gospel. Or they get too deep into friendship that they're now scared to lose that friendship that they won't share the gospel. Just keeping in mind that sometimes relationships will have to be tested on the basis of sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus, talking about our faith. So the biblical example here would be Matthew's party in Luke 5, where he held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and he had a large crowd of tax collectors and others eating with him. His newfound faith in Jesus, he wanted to share with as many people as possible. So this is the methodology of those with the interpersonal style. They're kind of like when they find something wonderful, they want to tell all of their closest people about it. So again, the blind spot here is just that sometimes you can value the friendship over Jesus or over sharing the gospel when in reality, maybe the friendship isn't at risk at all. So um, you don't know until you try. Lastly is don't get overwhelmed with the amount of needs your friends might have. Um, do what you can and leave the rest to God. I think just saying, you know, sometimes we try to serve people, try to, you know, help a friend out in, in need. Um, and we're afraid if we don't continually meet those needs, then we won't be able to witness to them. Uh, suggestions for development would be be patient. Uh, this tends to work more gradually than other styles. Obviously, definitely the direct style. And then look and pray for, for opportunities to turn conversations with your friends into um, spiritual conversations. And continue to create and plan opportunities to interact with new people. Uh, through social events and different things like that where where your style can flourish. And then practice telling the gospel message um, in whatever way that would be, whether that would be in the testimonial form, the direct form, the intellectual. Because all of us in some ways will, will kind of be a blend of some of these. We'll be more dominant on one, but we'll be a blend of, of, of several of these. So keep that in mind as well, because you, you might be someone who's interpersonal and still direct or interpersonal and intellectual. So the next style is very similar. This is the invitational style. Uh, the main difference here is that these people don't yet have a close intimate relationship with with the people that they're bringing into Jesus. Um, so the the biblical example here is the woman at the well. She doesn't know all these people. She just goes into the city and is just like, come and see. Like, that's the invitation style. Um, these are people who like to invite, you know, friends to church and different things like that. The focus is more on bringing new people into your circle of intimacy. Um, these people tend to be persuasive. Uh, they're committed believers. They see outreach events as unique opportunities. Uh, they tend to have a bubbly personality. They always seem to be up and people enjoy being around them. An easy, trustworthy person that people are drawn to and, and want to, to learn more. So we may not all be equipped to close the deal, so to speak, evangelistically, uh, but most can at least invite others to come and see. Just like Andrew did for his brother Peter, and just like Philip did for the apostle Nathaniel. And kind of going back to that close the deal, obviously we have no control in saving somebody. Only God saves. We are just his messengers. We are his ambassadors, as Paul tells us. And we're just called to be faithful. It's not our job to save them, to convince them. We're not here to get decisions. 
but success is just sharing the gospel at all, right? So it's not about whether or not we get a response from a person. It's solely about just being able to share in a humble, gentle, loving, and kind way the message of Jesus and how that's impacted our life. Blind spot here is that sometimes people just pass on sharing the gospel. They always kind of defer to somebody else sharing the gospel or bringing people to um, hear someone else present it rather than um, having a clear and easy opportunity from the Lord uh, to share the gospel. They kind of just pass on it. Uh, So cautions would just be don't let others always do all the talking for you. Um, People need to hear how God has changed your life. Sometimes your story will resonate with certain people. In addition, your friends have questions you could answer concerning the implications of the gospel in their own lives. Another one would be carefully and prayerfully consider which events or church services you take people to. So, you know, be shrewd in in what you take people to, who's going to resonate better with what. So this would kind of be, you know, the teaming up with friends who have different styles, right? Uh, if, if, you know, there's an event going on that's more intellectual, apologetic based, and your friends that, then invite them to that. And don't get discouraged whenever people refuse your invitation because their refusal could be an opportunity for a spiritual conversation. Maybe they have certain fears or baggage of, of going to church or going to certain events, and that opens the door for you to just care for them. Suggestions for development. When inviting people, try to get written details in their hands um, so that they they know uh, where and when. And then offer to pick them up. Offer to hang with them before or afterwards. Again, just a good time for spiritual conversations to happen. At events, put yourself in, in the place of, of that other person. Ask yourself if, if you were that person, whether you the event you would relate to, just trying to empathize as much as possible. Think about positive or constructive feedback you could give to events or your church consisting of specific and realistic ideas on things that you think they could approve to, to meet those who are going to these and, and seeking. And then again, team up with friends who have other styles that may reach your friends better. So the thought there is just Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Um, He didn't send them out on their lonesome. And the thought kind of there is just that they would have fellowship as they would, you know, have wins or losses or hardships or persecutions or things happen. There would be fellowship there and shared experiences together that they could build one another up. When one was lacking in faith, the other one could could come through and, and just cheer one another on. So I think that's a really important point, that evangelism is never meant to be done in a bubble by yourself, always being the loner. Um, whenever you go as a team, you have a lot more confidence. It's kind of just like, you know, whenever, like anything, there's there's, there's more safety in numbers. Not that it's about being safe, so to speak, but but you just feel more confident in in sharing and speaking the gospel whenever you know those around you are supporting you and share the same values and beliefs as you. The last style is the serving style. Um, these people tend to be patient. They see needs and they find joy in meeting those needs. Um, they attach value to even 
menial tasks. So I would see this as like maybe like the laundry love that we're going to be doing at, at church, just an opportunity to serve people, be with them. And as we're meeting needs to sit with them, hear their story, find joy in, in doing that. The biblical example here would be Tabitha or Dorcas in Acts 9, 36 to 42. She was always doing good and helping the poor. One of her talents was making clothing for the poor, a gift for which she was um, really loved. Obviously, she ended up dying. And then Peter came and raised her from the dead. And it was not only the miracle of her being raised from the dead, but also the grace of her service while she was living that had touched so many people's lives. A lot of people, widows, were, were mourning over her death. So she, her service style had a large impact on those around her. Remember, not all, all evangelism has to be showy or dramatic. Sometimes just simple acts of loving charity will do more to reach the lost than anything else. As we know the saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. These people tend to be willing to work behind the scenes and typically demonstrate their love through their actions rather than mere words. Um, it's hard to find really any negatives for this as most people respect um, anyone who's willing to serve and um, simply love one another and to do so in a quiet and unassuming way. Um, the blind spot here would be that sometimes people think you just have to do the actions without ever verbalizing the gospel. People see you, that's a really kind person, um, but they don't know why you're kind, why you serve, why you are the way that you are. So again, that would be a great way to combine the testimonial form of why you serve the way you serve and things like that. Because uh, we have to remember, like Paul says, um, in Romans 10, 14, that we have to tell people the gospel. You know, how will they hear if they've not been told and how will they be told if they're not sent? Remember that although words are no substitutes for actions, also actions are substitute for words. We need the blend of both. You can do this in many ways as you point to Jesus as the central motivation for your acts. Uh, don't as underestimate the value of your service. Uh, it is your style that will teach those persons who are the most negative and hardened towards God. These acts of loving service are hard to resist and, and difficult to argue with. <laughs> um, be discerning as to how much you can do realistically. Don't deprive yourself and your family of the needed care and attention. Know your limitations and plan accordingly. Suggestions for development would be finding creative, non-imposing ways to communicate the spiritual motivation behind the physical acts of service you offer to others. So, you know, one thing I think of here is kind of people who are a lot less privileged than, than some of us are in a way that you serve them and they just feel like they have nothing to give you back. But, you know, oftentimes you'll hear these people say things like, if there's anything I can do to like repay you, like, please let me know. And, you know, I think that's just an open door to just say, hey, I would really love for for you to to join me at church or or something like that. Uh, that's, that would be payment enough. Um, again, not doing it just to, to get that, but whenever the door 
is open and presents itself. I think it'd be wise to, to take that opportunity. Um, and then seek God daily for, for the opportunity to serve others for eternal purposes. Um, he'll open our eyes, you know, as Jesus says in John 4, 35, lift up your eyes and, and see that the harvest is, it's white, you know, it's ready for us to, to go. So be ready to follow his leadings, even if they seem a little out of the ordinary. And be careful not to impose your service on others. So pray for wisdom so you know where to invest your efforts in, what, in, in a way that will be strategic for the kingdom of God. So again, we can be wise. We can be shrewd about these things and how we use our style and different ways in which they'll fit. And again, just all this keeping in mind to be humble towards one another. The, the guy who goes door to door or um, hands out gospel tracts is not worse or better or a weirdo for doing that. It's just one of the ways in which God wants to use his people in their different personality types to reach people, just as the person serving as, you know, stay-at-home moms raise up their kids and teach them and find opportunities within in those arenas to reach people. So I hope this is helpful. We'll kind of go through some questions next week. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts, fears, excitements, and uh, just past experiences with different evangelistic efforts. Thank you guys and see you next week.